0: hey everyone and welcome to another edition of the pixels for breakfast pod i'm your host steve joined as always by my developer co-host blue how's it going
1: been all right nice getting by getting by yeah nice quiet end of the week uh and not too much news like there are there is news but like not a Blurry of activity as far as we see.
0: Yeah, there's been a bunch of like, hey, this little game's coming out, this game's coming out. We're not gonna be covering that today, though. We are just gonna touch on some of the bigger news stories as we normally do. And the first one is some surprising, or I guess maybe not so surprising numbers for the Nintendo Switch sales. They're forecast to overtake the 3DS sales, selling eighty million in the first four years, which is a pretty uh Pretty quick pace considering the uh, nintendo ds sold 154 million lifetime and in four years the switch has already managed to ship 80 million units which is pretty wild
1: it's insane i i think i said this to you while we were discussing this off of recording 80 million for a console sale is one of those numbers where you stop being able to really understand what this number means i this is you know like some games my, my favorite perspective for this is always Capcom. Capcom's best-selling game of all time. Capcom is an amazing, like, company, studio, publisher, whatever, with an amazing set of IPs. Uh, and their best-selling game of all time is Monster Hunter World. And that's something in the realm of, like, 9 million copies sold, right? Yeah, it's pretty wild. So, and yeah, or apples and oranges, consoles, and a game. But fact remains of, like, nothing. It's so hard to imagine... There's 80 million of these sitting in people's homes worldwide. That's, that's an insane number.
0: And, like, for those who maybe are trying to remember, like, oh, what was the last time that Nintendo, like, had this huge smash? Like, the Wii sold 101 million units. So we're nearly up to Wii sales, and that was insane for its time, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Over the last nine months, it looks like they've sold 24.1 million units alone just in the last <laughs> nine months. So COVID has Mm, definitely been a big
1: thing there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) External pressures nonwithstanding. Well, actually, no, external pressures um, in consideration. I think that it's not quite the end of that spike yet, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So they're saying of that 24.1 million, uh, 16.7 were the regular Switch, while 7.3 million were the Switch light, which that is surprising to me. I thought that would be reversed at this point uh, also they are saying that by March they anticipate to have sold 26.5 million as the trend keeps going and interestingly they also have said that there have been 29 titles that have sold over 1 million units on the switch during this fiscal year alone that's pretty crazy
1: <laughs> considering how bad their shop is not bad good yeah. effort uh-
0: definitely the worst store in any of the platforms I reckon
1: well It works if you want to buy exactly what you want to buy, and that's, uh, you know, in some, the way some people look at it, that's good enough, uh, and by some people, I mean probably Nintendo, that's probably good enough, you can, can you buy (laughs) Animal Crossing when you know Animal Crossing is good? Yeah, we're okay with it, um, yeah, that's a fair
0: call, that's a fair call, I think it's pretty (laughs) interesting, like, when I, I first started working in indie games, it was, you gotta get your game on PlayStation. Like, the PlayStation yep. is where you got to get your indie game for sales. Like, Xbox is cool, yep. but it doesn't sell that much. And mm-hmm. right before I left, a fellow traveler, it was, hey, you got to get your game on Switch. And as Switch. I've dealt with more indie developers over the last couple of years, that's even more the case. It's like, I don't even want to release on any other console. Like, I need to release on Switch even more than a PC release because you chuck it on yeah. there for 2 bucks and it gets on the front of the page and even that alone can carry a small development team. Uh, in its first few months, you know, so it's pretty, pretty integral, not just to these, uh these bigger games, which, of course, there's a lot of bigger games that can't run on the Switch. But yep. if you're a smaller developer, the Switch is like integral to making profit on your game. Obviously, making a good game is also uh, important. But, you know, like yeah. if you make a good game and put it on Steam, it's not guaranteed to sell. Uh, and huh. while it's not guaranteed to sell on the Switch, it's more likely to.
1: Yeah, it's. People are looking for different things as well. When people look on Steam, they tend to be looking for the next time sink. When people look on the Switch for a sale, they tend to be looking for, oh, what else can I just fill a bit of time with? So smaller scoped indie games tend to fit better for that. And I'm not saying all indie games are small in scope, but you know, there's this generalization that you can kind of make. I'm super happy to be wrong here because early on, I thought of the market trend, just looking at what Switch was doing, was going to lean towards you have to get on the Switch, you have to get on the Switch, you have to get on the Switch. And I thought that was going to be the case for maybe a year and a half until the Switch got inundated with shovelware the same way the we did. Yeah. I'm very happy to be wrong about that. And part of why I'm wrong about that is how bad the store is. It's so bad at discoverability that everyone gets a, their small moment, whether for good or bad, you get <laughs> yeah, a small right. moment in the light. <laughs> because it only works chronologically. It doesn't have, uh, like... a uh, you know best hits section or whatever so it means that the front page is always um latest as opposed to best so everyone gets a shot
0: yeah and that's why you see so many games go on sale for two bucks because they just want to get to that front of the list again yeah. the sales section or you know nintendo did start the recommendations tab and they do have the charts but yeah discoverability on the whole is pretty average you need to know what you're getting into which is why you should watch our top 10 in new indie game video series on youtube everyone uh Moving on to more live Xbox Live Arcade games here. Uh, The cancelled GoldenEye 007 remaster has been leaked. So this was years ago that there were rumors going around. Once you know Microsoft bought Rare, that they were uh, going to be doing a HD remaster of the classic Nintendo 64 game GoldenEye. And then uh, you know those rumors were pretty substantiated and were quite heavy. And then it just kind of disappeared off the radar and. The thought was that Nintendo were like, no, you can't do that. And that's exactly what has happened. But somehow the remaster has leaked. Uh, The files have turned up online and then some people have been playing it through emulators and posting videos on YouTube. And it looks exactly like you would expect. It's like Goldeneye, but with nicer graphics. But that doesn't fix the fact that Goldeneye is not a very well playing game. Uh, mm. it runs at 60 frames. Digital Foundry have done a, a, a video of it and it runs at a smooth 60 frames and you can switch between the old graphic style and new graphic style at any time. And I always do appreciate that when you have a more yeah. traditional remaster game. I, I um, love that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think a lot of people love GoldenEye. I don't, I think it's a pretty trash game to be honest. It was one of those things like all Nintendo 64 games. That was fantastic for its time, but did not hold up at all. Um, mm. But, you know, for for fans, I think this is really cool. And it's always interesting to see these games that never see the light of day eventually leaking out and, uh, you know, getting to poke and prod at them. That's always a fun time.
1: I wonder how many people in the past year have just gone, man, I'm just stuck at home. Oh, what about that old code I had? and Just dug it up and put it on. (laughs) Yeah, right. Just going through their (laughs)
0: old hard drives and finding like broken projects that they worked on.
1: Yeah, this isn't the first time something like this has just resurfaced, quote-unquote, randomly in the past year, right? Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. It's, it's very cool. Uh, XBLA was a great initiative, and, you know, I'm, it, it continues to deliver years after it's been shut down.
0: Yeah, XBLA was such a time. Like when I think of when I first started getting into the industry and indie games were really kicking off on console, not just weird like newgrounds platforms. It was like XBLA. was like
1: yeah. the leader of that charge. It was it legitimized indie yeah. gaming in a lot of ways. Like I, I close my eyes and I see Alien Hominid when I think of XBLA, which is amazing because Alien yeah, Hominid yeah. again, like as you said, is an is a newgrounds thing, right? Uh, and yeah, yeah, good I mean, time. Even good Super time.
0: Meat Boy was the same, right? Like it yeah. was a sequel to a newgrounds game.
1: Yep. Absolutely. That's why it was Super Meat Boy, because that's the joke. <laughs> the first yeah. Mario Brothers, and it was Super Mario Brothers. Yeah.
0: Speaking of jokes, Borderlands...
1: <laughs> Sorry, oh, at had, oh, oh. had to try and ring together. Cut. Hard cut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Borderlands Studio Gearbox software has been sold to Embracer, which is the parent company of THQ Nordic and a bunch of other little studios. Uh, they have purchased Randy Pitchford's studio. Uh, for three hundred and sixty-three million dollars. It includes six year performance targets for further compensation for a total of one point three billion total. Uh, so mm. all five hundred and fifty gearbox employees are retained, and CEO Randy Pitchford will continue to lead the studio, which is probably the most sad news about this. Um yeah. but yeah, so Embracer have been picking up a few few studios here and there, uh, and they've all been pretty big swings. I'm actually just pulling up the website now. I've forgotten what the other studios they have in their little group. Uh, I, I want to just
1: bring this up. So while you're doing that, I just want to bring this up. The article mm-hmm. that we, uh, like, kicked this off from, it's literally titled Borderlands Studio Gearbox Bought by THQ Nordic Parent Company. And that yeah. should immediately tell you how like embracer does its stuff and like what kind of company embracer is it wants to own it wants to have money from it doesn't want to be known as a video game company that's yeah that's basically it right like that's my takeaway from it of just like it doesn't care to get its name in thrown into the into the ring so for whatever that means good or bad whether that means they're nice and hands-off and will allow their creatives to take the things in the creative directions they want to or if that means that they're yeah
0: i think that I think that is going to be the case because uh, they own Coffee Stain Studios who have been like a very indie focused studio that, I mean, they make Goat Simulator. Like, I don't think someone stepped in and said, yes, that's a good idea. Um, But yeah, they own THQ Nordic, Koch Media, uh, Coke Media rather, uh, Coffee Stain, Amplifier Game Investments, which I guess is a investment. um, To me, that just sounds like one of those indie investment firms. Um, mm. Saber Interactive and Decca Games. So that's, they own all of those. And between them, there is 57 internal game studios. So
1: they're a pretty big outfit. Um, they own 200 plus IPs, apparently. That's, that's a big number. The way they're handling their siloing of, like, studio slash IP is also a way to kind of protect each other IP if one of it fails or if bad news strikes one. That means that people are less likely to go, oh, that's part of this, co- you know, this group of games like that. I will say that Embracer is not the only like umbrella parent company that does things like this. There are plenty of um umbrella companies within games as well that just cover multiple studios. The one I immediately think of is Sega. Like and and different case, right? Sega themselves do still make games, but Sega is also a, a gigantic umbrella um publishing parent company that has, you know, uh fun, that supports a whole bunch of other small studios that it never really throws its name onto. Um so this is not an uncommon thing, quite a normal thing in, in the video game space. Just something to keep in mind. I, 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 all, all these kinds of things are always super interesting so. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And then you've got Tencent coming across, buying shares in every single major development mm. house. So mm. The corps mm-hmm. are, are, are on the move to acquire all of the studios. And then you've got Microsoft on the other end buying everything up. So I don't know if it's a good thing. I don't know if it's a bad thing. Um, but it's a, thing, it's that's a happening. thing that's happening.
1: Yeah, yeah I, definitely... Something to pay attention to, especially if you're in the industry, you have to like pay attention to these trends and be cognizant of the of what is happening with studios, who owns them and stuff like that. And we will get to a point if we're not already there. I don't know all of the closed room meetings where people will make a studio and put a game IP up to look promising, with the sole intent of it getting picked up by one of these mega That's gonna happen if it hasn't already. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, something to keep in mind. Um, your hype can be weaponized to earn money
0: exactly and as part of this deal it has been announced that 2k will continue to publish unannounced but inevitable future series in the Borderlands series and Mm. the official quote says as the proud publisher of the borderlands franchise we are happy for our partners at gearbox and this exciting new chapter for their organization the merger does not change 2k's relationship with gearbox nor our role as the publisher for the borderlands ip or any other projects we are currently working on with the studio. We look forward to continuing our long-term partnership with this incredibly talented team and delivering many more exciting entertainment experiences to gaming fans around the world. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of Gearbox. Like, Randy Pitchford aside, who I absolutely have no time for whatsoever, mm. they haven't really done that much in recent time. They've slapped their name on some publishing deals, like, uh, what was the the Homeworld game that came out that wasn't Homeworld originally, but Gearbox owned the IP, so they made it. Deserts of Karak. Okay, um, yep. Hardspace Shipbreakers. No, yes, Hardspace Shipbreakers, which then that uh, the space mining game is a spinoff of. That was originally an indie title that Gearbox just put a publishing sticker on and gave them the Homeworld license. So they own Homeworld. They own Borderlands, which obviously is very, very popular. Uh, they made Brothers in Arms about 60 years ago like does anyone care about that franchise anymore I'm not sure and then uh they make hobby grade shooters which just got pulled offline that no one cared about so I don't know like there seems to be this like huge excitement around gearbox and for me personally I just think Borderlands 3 missed the mark completely uh and I don't really understand why the people are so excited and why they're worth that much but I guess they are so
1: Hey I mean it's fine it it's a fine studio they do some good things they make some mistakes i am not excited about this either but people get to keep their jobs which i like
0: yeah that's good that's 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 the thing like you need to divorce uh feelings around management of that company from the people Mm. that are there making the games but it just feels like there's not a lot of innovation happening there like they found the thing that worked no and i don't know if that's a corporate culture if they actually all just really love borderlands and want to make that game that feels like the ramblings of a 15 year old boy or if that's just what they're told to do, and they're not allowed to do anything outside of that. So
1: Yeah, like um, I hope yeah. that they genuinely just love Border that they live on Pandora, right? I I hope that because I think that's a soul sucking game to work on otherwise. If you're not like completely invested yeah. in it, man, that game is just a walking pile of cliches. That, and, that for can't who, innovate, <laughs> so. and
0: for anyone who's come in here and thinking that we just both hate Borderlands, like I think Blue has about six thousand hours in Borderlands 2. I actually really, really enjoyed Borderlands 1, and Borderlands 2 was okay, but it just never progressed from there, and it's just, like, feeling a bit stale for me. And when that's the main output of a studio that's not doing anything else, especially a studio of that size, it's a bit like, eh, what's going on
1: over there? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we could have an entire discussion about our feelings for Borderlands and break down into a bit more detail. If people want it, if people really want it, let us know. Maybe it'll be a like, it's a breakfast podcast, like, exclusive special or something like that. We could totally do yeah, that. Yeah, we could do
0: a cheeky little uh, Patreon thing. Ah, uh,
1: yeah. Uh, but for now, we should probably move on.
0: Yeah. Uh, so this is interesting, uh, kind of unconfirmed, but it sounds like it's legit. Uh, apparently, remember there was those rumors floating around a little while ago that there was going to be a live action Zelda series on Netflix. Apparently Nintendo scrapped that when it started leaking online back in 2015 and a US comedian, Adam Conover, who used to work at, uh, college humor. I think it was. College yes. Humor. Uh, yeah. yeah. College. He has come out and said, yes, this is exactly what happened because they also started canceling other projects that were in development at the time. Uh, his quote from his video. I worked at College Humor and we had a secret project where we were going to take a claymation version of Star Fox with Nintendo. I know this because Shigeru Miyamoto came to our office and I remember that because I asked my boss if I could be in the office that day because it was the weekend because I wanted to watch Shigeru Miyamoto walk by and he told me no and I'm still mad at him. Then a month later, fair. suddenly, <laughs> yeah, then a month later, suddenly there were reports Netflix weren't going to do his Legend of Zelda anymore. And I was like, what happened? And then I heard from my boss that we also weren't working on our Star Fox anymore. I was like, what happened? He was like, someone at Netflix leaked The Legend of Zelda thing. They weren't supposed to talk about it. Nintendo freaked out and they pulled the plug on everything, the entire program to adapt to these things. So there we go. I mean, it's not surprising Nintendo are notoriously protective of their franchises, especially in that film space after what happened with the Super Mario Brothers movie.
1: Yep. 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 And then the... (laughs) I don't know if you remember this story. The uh-huh. uh, Super Mario Brothers porn parody? <laughs> I think that was what? right, yeah. The one that they just tried to buy up every copy of to, to like get rid of it. it was oh, one really? Of, it was a, yeah, it, I don't remember what it was a parody. There was a porn parody. I don't remember if it was a game or... I think it was about the Super Mario Brothers movie because it just lends itself uh-huh. plumbers, right? Um, and I <laughs> yeah, think yeah. Nintendo's reaction was, let's just buy every copy we can get. Um, it's been a while <laughs> since I've thought about that. But yeah, no, it's. I think I think somewhere that there was just probably a furnace that Nintendo chucked all copies into. I don't think they'll keep it, right? So. Yeah, yeah. There's not like a, a landfill of AT cartridges I, probably, next to the Mario porno. Probably, probably not. But I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Yes. Bottom line, Nintendo protective. Nintendo scared of um, going into media. It doesn't have experience, which yeah. is reasonable and responsible IP owners to be honest because um, that Mario movie would you would you trust Hollywood if it took your baby and um did that to it you know that movie is
0: interesting on so many levels for all the wrong reasons i i highly recommend anyone who is interested to check out some of the behind the scenes documentaries uh, there's um a, a YouTuber who I can't remember the name of, but he also broke down all of the troubles that they had on set. It sounds crazy. Um yeah. interesting project for sure. What is uh not so interesting is the fact that Google Stadia is a thing. Google Stadia is a thing that exists and it's been existing out there for about 14 months now, and <laughs> they have just decided to shut down their internal studio. They have just they started this thing 14 months ago, like Anyone who is around games know that video games take a long time to make. They spun up a studio to make Stadia exclusive games and they've shut it down 14 months later, like not even 2 years later. Jade Raymond was over there. She has left the company because she was the head of those studios and they're all gone. And Bill Harrison, former Xbox head, now Google Stadia head, has been talking about how they're shutting down these studios and they're offering the streaming tech over to publishers. From his quote here, Creating best-in-class games from the ground up takes many years and significant investment, and the cost is going up exponentially. Given our focus on building on the proven technology of Stadia as well as deepening our business partnerships, we have decided that we will not be investing further in bringing exclusive content from our internal development team, SG&E, beyond any near-term planned games. Apparently, the 150-odd jobs uh, will be given new roles, most of them. Um, That's coming from a Kotaku report but Jade Raymond will be leaving and uh, be pursuing other opportunities is all that she would say. I mean, Stadia has been a butt of many, many jokes, but if they're yep. even going to keep this service open, this seems like a very bad move.
1: I Does it? Because, you know, they might be trying to get to the point where they're just, this might be the first of the cut and run. Um, I think That's exactly they may what have it's looking like. Yeah, I, I think they may have continued with Stadia a bit longer if uh, Microsoft didn't position Game Pass. Uh, yeah, I Google think, was in a field without any competition right and now there is competition and their competition is Microsoft so there might have been this there genuinely might have been a six-month long meeting where people just went is this a is this something we can compete in and maybe eventually they just said maybe we can't." The,
0: there's there's so many issues around Stadia like even if we ignore the uh, the sales model and platform model of buying mm-hmm. games over there if we if we put that aside none of those games are doing anything different on this hardware so phil harrison and all the, all his mob came out we're talking about how this is going to change the future of gaming with negative latency and tried yeah. to sell oh. the kool-aid tried to sell the kool-aid to a crowd that actually understands the tech speak and like they would call them out on that so that was bad that was a really bad first impression but yeah. then on top of that none of the games are out there are doing anything new on this right like They were talking about how you could share a screenshot while watching a YouTube video and then be playing the game right there. Like Hitman is the only game that's launching with that. And that's like nearly over a year later, right? Uh, None of these games are like, they were like, oh, we could have a battle royale with like 6,000 people because it's all powered by cloud computing. And there's nothing original on this platform that is pushing that hardware. So why would you buy this hardware? You wouldn't, especially when you can just get a phone and an Xbox account for 15 bucks and have access to games you want to play that are making use of that. And you don't have to buy the silly Stadia dongle because they also haven't rolled it out to regular Chromecasts. That was the original plan that your 4k Chromecast ultra, which I do have one. I had one before uh, Stadia existed, so I didn't buy it for Stadia, but I was like, Oh, I'll mess around with Stadia for sure. Like I I was curious about it, That hasn't rolled out either. Like, there's just been so much of nothing happening over there and it's it's a shame because from all reports the tech mostly works like i've heard that the tech is yep. actually pretty solid the controller feels bad which Absolutely. is you know, every controller that's not a you know one of the first parties uh but otherwise like yeah. the tech's pretty solid
1: apparently this you know what this feels like to me this feels like if your entire like platform your entire product was predicated on you remember the, <laughs> yeah, remember the Vita? It had a back touch screen. Yeah, I remember the Vita. It had a back touch screen. Do you remember that? It's like your entire business that. model was, let's make games for the back touch screen. But not the Vita. Like, like <laughs> uh, our entire technology is the back touch screen. And people are like, Yeah. but why? And then you go, no, no, no. Trust us. We're going to get there. And then in a year's time, people are still like, look, it works. The technology is cool. It's there. It definitely works. But do you want to give us something for it? And they're like, uh, we thought you would at this point. And then you just kind of look at each other awkwardly, like, so you didn't have a plan here. And that's what it kind of feels like. It's like, yeah, we have this technology. We don't have any idea what to do with it, but we have a technology. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, if this, I think Stadia is dead in the water, but if it had any chance, like they needed to have something original and exciting that you can only do on Stadia. And it just, they're not going to have that now that they're shutting down their internal studio. Because any external studio is definitely not going to put their time and effort into developing for this, and it is also just nope. Google doing what Google do: starting something up, and it isn't instantly popular, they shut it down. Like that's a meme at this point, but that's exactly what's happening.
1: And throw throw everything at the wall, see what sticks. Yeah, uh, I mean, they got the money. They didn't stick. They they yeah, own the they robots, so. Yeah. <laughs> I I think Google's most like lucrative possible investment is uh, Skynet. Like like they're just going to rule the world by force. So. All of this doesn't matter in the long run.
0: Exactly. So, um, <laughs> Google, we were being nice when you're listening back to this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. M- moving on and uh, some news here. Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 will not be out this year. Blizzard have jumped ahead because BlizzCon is about to happen or is happening soon. BlizzCon online. Yes. Yes. It's happening online, obviously, because of COVID. Uh, but they have come out and just jumped the gun and said, yes, it's not coming out uh, this year. Uh, we expect Blizzard Net booking to grow given the momentum in the World of Warcraft and the other growth initiatives we have in the business, Activision chief Dennis Durkin said during the call. Our outlook does not include Diablo 4 or Overwatch 2 launching in 2021. They're expecting people to get behind Blizzard. Uh, I don't know why. If- They're not releasing. I guess they got Diablo Immortal coming out, which has actually been received fairly well, right?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, it's such a, like, jarring... If you haven't followed... Because it was only early accessed or, or, like, shown off in Australia or trialed in Australia. So if you haven't been following that, it's so jarring to just go, we won't have Diablo 4 or Overwatch 2, but Diablo Immortals! And if you missed one single story beat, you're like, how is that a plus? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, that thing was just slammed unfairly
0: i it, feel i felt so bad for those people on stage but anyway um yeah like i don't i mean you know blizzard better than i do they have anything else coming out this year maybe a world of warcraft expansion potentially oh i, they, I don't think i'd they they have um diablo 2 hd that could be potentially coming out this.
1: year. oh ooh, that's a feels bad um nothing again I mean, after game, after, after warcraft not...
0: 3 that feels bad <laughs>
1: <laughs> God, yeah that's a good point right their last big thing that wasn't a World of Warcraft expansion was Warcraft 3 Reforged like not even just like like they went out of their way to like really brand it and uh that was a bad time that was a bad time for anyone who doesn't remember one of the things that happened with Warcraft 3 Reforged dropping is that Blizzard without warning in within a you know overnight dropped service for the legacy BattleNet so BattleNet that you use now to log in is BattleNet 2.0 but the old systems that um, Warcraft 3, Starcraft 1, and Diablo 2 used to run on was Battle.net at one point, whatever, right? And, and the service yeah. was that was dropped. And for most games, it doesn't matter, except for the fact that Warcraft 3 still had an ongoing scene. Like, there were still tournaments of Warcraft 3, Frozen Throne being run. And all of that just exploded overnight with no opportunity to kind of try to salvage anything, to the point where the community's reaction to that was, no, we'll make our own with blackjack and hookers. And, like, people have put together... <laughs> there's a community mod effort to recreate Battle.net's um, server hooks um, from the back end. That's how much that's people wild. just... That's how much people were so not on board with Reforged and were so upset because not only did you put out a subpar game, you know, oftentimes when people put, say, like, oh, this remaster or this sequel is bad, the reaction is, well, maybe it's not for you, you still have the original. In this case, Activision took the original out back and old yellowed it. Um, it. Yeah. So... Which is just insane but anyway <laughs> it is insane so yeah maybe there's a diablo 2 hd i mean it's not like they can kill the back end for diablo 2 original anymore uh i don't know if blizzard has anything big up its sleeve because i haven't been paying super close attention but i will say this blizzard ever since ghost starcraft ghost has played things very close to their chest because their announcement yeah. of well, the, the, the delay announcements and eventual cancel announcements of StarCraft Ghost caused a lot of, like, negative backlash in the community, understandably. Because it looked like a, you know, it looked like something, and, and Blizzard Times' um, statement was just, look, it probably looks fine to you, it's not up to our standards, so we are canning it. I actually genuinely really respect that. And yeah, absolutely. That's why, you know, they don't renounce games until they're fairly sure that it's going to be a thing nowadays um titan titan the not overwatch yeah. the the thing that yeah. you know was never announced properly uh because you know that was never going to be a thing and then eventually we got overwatch so one on the one hand that's going on um behind the scenes on the other hand i also don't think that activision is handling blizzard very fairly at the moment i think that lots of teams so uh blizzard divisions are broken up into teams team they're just numbered like the one I know is Team Five was kind of a spin off like small team that handled hearthstone, and now Team Five is gigantic because hearthstone is now a juggernaut in within um, Blizzard for money making right mm-hmm. Team One was the uh, the oh, i want to say they were the starcraft uh team um uh, mm-hmm. early on, and i like there was a major restructure with that earlier this year as well, so well, from what I, I understand, that- they're team structures yeah, yeah, I mean I think
0: that's the bigger issue here is that. A lot of the the senior members and also just the, the higher yep. end talent at Blizzard have left. They've all joined Mike Mordheim or other ex Blizzard studios around the place. So I get the feeling there's a very young team, a very inexperienced team that has the world of their sh- on their shoulders because of the expectations and just harshness of Blizzard fans in general. Yeah, they're that they're
1: they're this. Yeah, I'd be scared to be a Blizzard right now, basically. Absolutely, especially if you're in middle management, because everything's going to be thrown on you. Like, yeah. your name is going to be put out there as a scapegoat if you are any kind of lead. If you have the the the, the word lead in your title, you are at risk <laughs> right now, and possibly of your life, because video game fans are unreasonable. I'm just going to put this yeah. out there. They're a mob. They're just not reasonable people. So,
0: uh, I mean, is Kaplan still over there? Is he leading up? Overwatch two, do we know that?
1: I, I think I, I yeah, I, I think Jeff Kaplan is still in. Um I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. he still releases uh developer blogs and stuff. Uh I don't think the Overwatch team is being like touched too much, at least as far as like news that comes out to us. Uh I think almost all focus from Overwatch team is on Overwatch 2 at the moment. Um I don't know what mm-hmm. number they are. Uh but the problem with asking what else could they possibly be working on? Such a long and roundabout way of getting back to your question is um here is that I think that there's a lot of internal restructuring and shuffling going on and so even if there are things like on whiteboards and stuff like that, I wouldn't count on anything sticking when people aren't sure of where their jobs are. It's very hard to video games are and aren't a creative industry and it's very hard to do your job when you're just not sure about whether or not you're gonna be yeah. shipped off to Austin or Montreal next week or whatever. I just don't remember where their studios are. Um yeah. but yeah, you get what I mean. It's yeah, for sure. Stressful. Very stressful uh place to be, I think. So, keep your eye on BlizzCon line. they are, they seem very proud of that title, by the way. Like it's on all of Battle. Yeah. <laughs> BlizzCon line 2020. Um but uh I don't expect a big news announcement in terms of a game if these two are not. Yeah. But maybe this is the setup for it. Maybe this is the setup to announce something original. There might be an original i they cuz they've been rumored to be working on uh, a few original IPs. So, I don't
0: know. Mhm. I guess time will tell. And ending the news this week is actually a bit of a sad note. The uh, co-founder and CEO of ZeniMax, aka Bethesda Softworks' parent company, Robert A. Altman, has died. Uh, He passed away over the weekend. He was there since the very start and in an announcement directly from Bethesda, They described him as a true visionary friend and believer in the spirit of people and the power of what they could accomplish together. We are proud to carry on the values and principles Robert taught us. We extend our deepest sympathies to Robert's family who are part of our family and have always treated us as part of theirs. And I I'd seen Altman's name around a lot, but I don't know a huge amount about him, but I do want to read. Apparently he used to send uh, during the pandemic, he would send an email every week to uh, stay in touch with people at the company. Um, And I I do want to read this out because even though this is probably like, you know, very scripted, I think it is quite telling to what I've heard about the culture at Bethesda and and all that sort of stuff. It does feel like it is a small sort of family, tight knit Uh community there. Uh, So the letter is to the ZeniMax family. Last week, I mentioned some small pleasures I had discovered as a byproduct of the lockdown. Some of you have since written to share your own experiences and describe other quiet joys work from home brings. The growing number of songbirds in our backyards, quieter streets, adventurous efforts baking bread and mixing cocktails, long walks, restaurant takeout, time to read. While we clearly miss treasured social interactions, something valuable has been gained too. We know many are feeling the pressure of isolation and the stresses related to our current circumstances. Again, I urge you to make time for yourselves daily, schedule online social gatherings and keep your perspective knowing that this will pass. Tomorrow, I encourage everyone to take a break to toast our company's 21st birthday and reflect on the long journey we have taken together. You've done something extraordinary, something few startups ever do. You've created a multinational, multi-billion dollar business, stacked with talent at all levels of the company, carving out a leadership role, earning the admiration of our toughest competitors and devoted fans. And you have done it the right way, always faithful to our core principles of integrity, respect, team, Quality. Don't let the day pass without taking a moment to enjoy your remarkable creation. Looking forward to being back together. As always, stay safe. As I said, you know, it's very easy to sound nice in a letter, but I've always heard that, you know, Bethesda and, you know, Zenimax in general, despite the legal issues surrounding that company at times in terms of going after competitors and, you know, John Carmack and stuff like that. I've always heard it's been a fantastic, it's the type of place you work for life once you work there sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely some sad news. He's been around in the industry for a very long time. So, yeah. Switching out of that, <laughs> Blue. Uh, yeah, I, was just, gonna,
1: I was just sitting here like, what's this segue going to be like? Because there's no way to yeah. make this good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what,
0: let's, let's run an ad and then we'll come back with what we've been playing. Sounds good. Do you suffer from headaches, fatigue, anxiety, cooties, or moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, ask your doctor about Blasphemous Waffle. With Blasphemous Waffle, I was able to take my life back. Now I can get back to the things I love, like uh, playing badminton in a forest with my grandchildren or something. Blasphemous Waffle streams on Twitch 3 days a week at twitch.tv slash Blasphemous Waffle. Ask your doctor about Blasphemous Waffle today! The Appointments made in this ad have not been reviewed by the FDA or any other regulatory organization. Side effects of Blasphemous Waffle may include, but are not limited to, dizziness, sore throat, brain drain, clown foot, crisis core, fever pitch, cauliflower teeth, and moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Take back your life with Blasphemous Waffle! Okay, Blue, so what have you been playing? Talk to me. I don't
1: know! Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier as we started recording. I'm like, what did I play this week? And it feels like a blank, but I guess, uh... I guess I sunk the last of my um, season 22 time in Diablo to like finish mm-hmm. off and square off all the stuff I want to do about it. In it, I basically have the stash tab, which is one of the rewards. If you progress through the season progression enough, you get more storage mm-hmm. space because uh, you need all the space to store all the things you get in the game because it's crap like that. Um, I genuinely have spent a bulk of the week, as I predicted last week, uh, kind of you know mucking about in... Arena Magic Gathering arena and uh the new call time set. It's been very fun to just theory craft new decks and never play them against anyone except my one single friend who plays with me because these aren't decks you take onto competitive ladder, and there is no like casual play in arena. everyone's running competitive decks and uh if you want kitchen table magic experience, you play against your friend. It's a real good time for that. And it's been really really fun um just messing around with that silly combos uh fun cards that kind of stuff
0: uh, that definitely sounds fun i wish i liked magic i just i've tried many times i mean i even worked at pr and marketing for it i just i just can't get behind it i don't know why something about it
1: that's fair That's fair. not for everyone
0: yeah well that sounds like a good time though very good time yeah. i have been playing a few little things a few little things here and there playing more hitman 3 don't need to talk about it except that it's good and everyone should play it. It's gonna be fantastic. And they just released a bunch of info about all the escalations they're adding this month. So that's exciting. Um, I have been playing an indie game. I'm currently doing a review for it. It's called Phonotopia Awaken. I think that's how you say it. And uh it's a small game from a studio that's very spread out. It's you know, there's one person in California, and there's one person in China, and there's one person here and there. Um, I think there are about four people worked on it, and it's Just like really good. So kind of what we were talking about before. The first game was a Flash game. Uh, I'd never heard of it. It got pretty popular. And then the end of last year, they released like the real game. So the first game was just called Phonotopia. This one's called Phonotopia Awakening. And it's on Switch. And it's like 35 hours long. It's like a big, long sort of side-scrolling. It's basically Zelda 2-esque where it's side-scrolling. It's got some platforming. Um, You're walking Mm. through towns. And then when you leave the town, it goes to that overworld view and you can run into, like, instance fights and stuff. Um, It doesn't seem to be, you know, JRPG-ish, which is what I originally thought it was. Um, You don't seem to be really levelling up things, but there are, like, eight different weapons that you can collect and items and puzzles to solve. And I'm only an hour in, but it's just incredibly charming and just really well done from such a small team. I'm really excited to dive into that more and, you know, provide a review hopefully next week. Um, but it's it's kind of like Olya last week. Uh it's it's a reminder that games don't necessarily have to be pushing the bleeding edge and doing crazy wild things. Like this is just a really good, fun game. And that's okay sometimes. Yep. Um and yep. it matches the tone here. And also, like, I haven't played a game that's a lot like Zelda 2 in a long time and definitely not one that's this well done. And that's enough for me. Like, that's totally cool. Like, obviously, I yeah. like playing games that are trying something crazy and different and, you know, pushing that boundary. But sometimes you just want a good game. This is seems like a really good game. And I've been talking to the developer a lot and it feels like there's a lot of heart and care behind it, too. Um, mm-hmm. Like, they did this because they wanted to do it. So... That's, you know, you, I think that shines through. These, these people love games and that's why they're making it. They're not just doing it because I think I can make some money out of this. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying that. It's out on Steam and on Switch. I don't think it's on any other consoles yet, um, but tentatively check that out. Last night I played Valheim, uh, jumped on to a stream, streamed it on YouTube. The the archive is up there now, uh, but jumped on there with some friends, Valen and Mesma and had a Grand old time in this crafting survival low poly Viking game, um, and 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 Blue and I uh, exchanged texts last night. He, he's not a fan yeah. of what he played. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to which,
1: yeah, I I really enjoy it. I don't like crafting games, but I love this. I will say I will say my piece, and then I'll let you like uh, go on about this. Yep. I don't hate it. I'm just not a fan, and there's, <laughs> there's a big difference yeah. with that. Like sometimes people say, "Oh, he's not a fan." As like nice way of saying, oh, "I really hate that." No, I don't care for it. I think that a lot of its systems we've seen better versions of in other games. Not necessarily the same genres, but we've seen how it can be better. And I think that the base systems tell a lot about what a game wants to do. And I don't think that I'm on board for um, what Valheim is selling. Having said that, any excuse to play with friends. And uh, it is just one of those games that is knowledge-based. As in, once you know how to play it, it gets more fun. Uh, You know, Some games are very fun to learn how to play. Valheim seems like a game that is fun once you know how to play it. Yeah, I think um,
0: for me, the fun definitely came from playing with people, like you were playing alone. Like, yeah. it was more, we don't know what we're doing, and it's fun because, like, Fallon chopped down a tree, and we didn't know that, like, oh, they can fall this way, and it fell into another tree, which then made the other tree fall down on my head, and uh, killed me instantly. And, and like, falling trees it, it was do damage. It was like yeah, the- yeah. yeah it, was, it was pretty cool, and then, like, oh, we found this little house, and there's like a chest thing here, and Ah, mm. oh, it's missing the roof. Let's build that out. And we build these little bases in different areas. And the map is pretty huge. It definitely feels, I mean, this is early access. Uh, literally just came out a few days ago. Um, mm-hmm. And granted, I have not played a survival game that's out in early access in, you know, a couple of years. But these games are notorious for just being trash fires when they first launch on early access. Barely functional. Yep. Hardly anything. This game seems to be fairly solid. Like, it does have some niggling issues, but it seems to be there. We, we found the boss. Like, there's a boss, and we we fought that. And that's kind of like a weird instance, Dauntless meets Monster Hunter light fight. And super yeah. cool moment. Um, and that's the thing that I just, it has a bit more structure in terms of you're going on adventures and you're getting into combat encounters. Um, which Minecraft just never really did that for me. And because the structure base is a bit more, you're building this wall and the wall will always look this way and you can just build out your buildings. It just feels like there's less of the crippling, what materials am I going to use to build this thing? And what am I going to build? Like, it's like, I'm going to build a house and I know how to build the house in this game and it feels good. Um, So for me, that's definitely what I'm really enjoying about it. Uh, we played it for about three hours. I'm not going to lie. I wish I could take work off today to play more of it. That's how much I enjoyed it. Mm. And I did not expect mm. that to get into my brain because I don't typically like these games. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a pretty cool game. I like it. I mean, I can't wait to play it with you, Blue. I can't wait.
1: Hey, I'm, I'm down. Anything for any excuse for social interaction this year, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely.
0: Well, that about does it for this week. A nice, quick, tight one um blue do you have anything that you you want to say here at the end before we sign off
1: oh uh, my brain did that my brain did that sound when you said that uh i'm gonna take that as a no that i don't have anything special to add except <laughs> as always be kind and good to each other the hard yeah world out be
0: kind of yeah be kind of good to each other We're, we've got a long way ahead this year i think um but anyway let's not dwell on that Make sure you come on over to pixelsofbreakfast.net That's where we post all of the podcasts, all of the videos, all the little bits and pieces. Uh, we've got a few articles coming up soon, which is going to be a fun time. Also, head on over to youtube.com forward slash breakfast. I drop videos there, usually once a week for reviews, and then we do a video version of the Pixel Bytes podcast. And if you want to support the show, make sure that you leave us a review and a comment, particularly on the Apple Podcast Network. Blue, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Fun. Good time. And as always, don't forget to pixelate your breakfast.